What have we here? Welcome to the wonders of Thedas. Welcome to the Wonders of Thetis podcast, your one-stop shop for all your Dragon Age role-playing game needs. My name is Ren. And I am Jessica. Back from the dead. Back from the dead. Welcome back. Always good to have you here. Always good to be here. We got an interesting show for you today, a bit of a mishmash, uh, but we got a lot to talk about. Uh, Of course, we're going to be talking about Grey Wardens for our main topic. Yeah, Grey Wardens. It is uh, the concept that really is so so integral to this setting and oh, yeah. such an important aspect of this oh yeah world and so i'm really excited to talk about gray it. wardens those those griffins uh you know those griffins are a big deal we we weren't going to have a podcast if it didn't have griffins yeah. in i don't want i don't want to be in this podcast if it doesn't have griffins in it correct all right so we'll get right into it we got no news for you this time not just yet we'll keep our ears to the ground we haven't heard anything about uh, possible new dragon age titles coming out no new books but the moment we know we'll put it on the podcast and let you guys know so we'll just skip right on in to consulting the codex you can ask me questions if you like i'm not sure why you'd want to but oh good thank you i'm going to regret this aren't i Welcome to the Codex. We've got a lot of questions for you this time. Um, from two askers, uh, although one of them's habitual and one of them had quite a few questions. So we'll start with our good friend, Parsival. Again, thank you so much from the Green Running, from the Green Running Forums. It's Parsival. Yay! <laughs> thank you again for the question. So what is our question today? Uh, this time, you, the Parsival's question was, what do you think about the viability of the poison-making talent? Have any of your pieces ever taken it? Um, and I've truncated a little bit of this. Would you agree that it is, in the words of Kismet Rose, also hi Kismet Rose. How's it going? Uh, Friend of the podcast. Correct. Um, would you agree that, in the words of Kismet Rose, it is gated a bit too heavily? What house rules might apply? you apply? Oh, Jill is going to be very sad that she's not here for this question. It's true. Jill, because uh, uh, Jill's character, Callian, has taken the poison-making talent. Um, she's very fond of it. She is very fond of it. Um, I don't know that I integrate poisons quite so much, but she does more than anything else. Correct. She she makes her own she makes her own way with that poison making talent. So mm. it seems like she's having fun with it. She's been working really hard with it too. She's been coming up with all sorts of cool things. Oh yeah, she's do. got I think a whole I think she's got a, like a little piece of paper that she's been writing this big long list of poisons that she's been collecting and harvesting. Yep, she has a poison making list. Mm-hmm. And she's always asking uh, how much time we got so that she can brew more poisons. Mm-hmm. So. I haven't seen it do too, too much. It's useful mm-hmm. when it does get to mm-hmm. work. Yes. She <coughs> hasn't used them recently that mm-hmm. I can recall. We've been a little busy. Yes. Things have been moving a little fast, a little a little too fast to think about putting poison on your weapons. Yeah. Um, but uh, I think it's cool and flavorful, oh, yeah. and it certainly has had its help and Definitely. Uh, we fought that uh the wyvern right yeah when we fought that mm-hmm. and then a couple of our uh, characters ended up with poison yeah that was that, that was is uh, that's pretty much a one two you're done mm. it was very thing. good that our poison maker had poison lore and knew where to get some ingredients to fix things up yep and that you know, we could keep regenerating their organs yes that was that, was, that, was, that helped so um 
In terms of whether or not it is gated or um, whether it's viable, I think that it is perfectly. I think it's perfectly okay. You kind of have to work with it, right? Because the uh, journeyman, uh, the novice degree opens up the novice poisons, and I think you learn. Uh, you only learn a couple of recipes right out of the gate, and you have to find more. Uh, which does mean that if a PC does take the poison making talent, the GM will have to think about including some uh, books that inc- or. Uh, possible rewards that include recipes for poisons. One thing that I would say might be gating the poison use a bit mm-hmm. might be sort of making it less viable mm-hmm. is the fact that as far as I am aware, you can only actually make poison work if you get stun points. It's true. Like, no mm. matter how much you spend on what you're doing and how much work you put into making your poisons, if you can't get stun points, you just for some reason, never managed to poison them. That's right. It's for true. people with less dialogue, that could be very, very frustrating. Mm-hmm. Of course, folks with bad dialogue just don't have fun in games that use dice. That's not true. Is that true? I have fun. <laughs> I don't think you have that bad of luck. I mean, it's it might be a little anomaly-like. Really? Don't look at me like that. I'm looking at you like that. You you seem you you make the best of it. I do make the best of it. But that said, I wasn't trying to talk about my particular luck. Right. The point is that having something chance based, especially if you wanted to base your character around making and applying poisons, mm-hmm. could make it a bit less desirable as an you. option. Mm-hmm. Like that would kind of cheese me off. Mm-hmm. Some of the poisons are powerful enough that. Um, Putting them behind a stunt kind of makes sense. That is true. I mean, honestly, it's a bit of a... Right, right. I'm making a hand motion, guys. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. It's a bit unbalanced. Mm-hmm. I can see what you mean. <clears throat> In that, the you know, it's difficult to get it to apply. And then when it does apply, for some of those poisons, it's pretty much it. Mm-hmm. You know, sorry about you. Insta-kill. The, uh, the spider venom, I believe, is a penalty to dexterity for the rest of the encounter. Wyvern poison just ends you. The wyvern poison you're just, just done. Yeah, you just goodbye. You're, just, you're pretty much done. Um, and if you've got marrow lock, it gets real bad real fast. Um, so poisons are quite powerful. Um, if you manage to find, if you find some and you can mix some up and you can get some used, you can, it can get pretty nasty. Um, in terms of like smaller poisons, like crow, like crow poison, or uh, or like so like a viper venom, yeah. or uh, aspis kiss, um, or adder, sorry, adder's kiss. Um, and poisons that just deal penetrating damage, they're, they're, they can be quite useful. Um, uh, Jill has made some mm-hmm. good use of such things. She has. Um, I just, she... I don't know. I don't like that it doesn't provide, like, a test to reduce or negate. Mm-hmm. That's probably another reason why it's behind a stunt. Yeah. I don't know if mm-hmm. if it were up to me. I'd Granted, most poisons out. can only affect um, a person once per encounter. Well, I mean, it, in most games, it really kind of comes down to that. Mm-hmm. Because what are you going to do? Stack the time? Nobody cares. I mean, you're still you're still poisoned. If you've got concentrated poison, you can't apply the poison more than once. Mm-hmm. And Which... she makes very good use of concentrated poisons. Mm-hmm. Either way, I would personally say that it's. Gated, but also unbalanced when you get through the gate. (laughs) 
It's so it, once you get through that, so you take if you really want to go for it, go for it. And, yeah. Uh, as a possibility, as a possible house rule, um, maybe reduce the stunt cost because the stunt point, the Venom stunt, I believe, is three stunt points right now. So taking it down to two would make it uh, easier to get to. Just a little that would bit, be good without making it too overwhelming. Especially if you're doing like an intrigue and poison style game. Mm-hmm. If you wanted to see it more prevalent on both sides, that would probably be a good way to do it. Yes. Um, so, <laughs> Parcel, I hope that answers your question. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd say we have a player who makes very good use of it. She has fun with it, and she likes uh, compiling all the poisons and making new ones. And um, when they get put to use, they can be pretty nasty. Um, and they can also be very good, to, very nasty tools for GMs to employ. Hint, hint. Mm-hmm. Um, but players can, of course, yeah, put turn them out as fair play. So poison making is poison making is good, right? Yep. <laughs> so if you want to take it, go for it. It's a lot of fun. Um, it can uh, you will have to pay a little bit for it because it is a whole talent just to get the novice degree. If you want to get the really nice ta- poisons, you got to get the really nice ones. Uh, you got to get the higher degrees of the talent, and especially if you want to go buying the poisons, it can get really expensive. Um, if you make your own, it doesn't cost quite as much, but you know what? Dragon Age needs more things to spend money on anyway. So here you go. So, thank you, Parsifal. Um, next, we've got a handful of questions from Green Running Forum member PNP Gamer. <coughs> I apologize. Hmm. You are absolutely fine. So, uh, PNP Gamer has been very busy on the Green Running Forums, asking lots of questions. Uh, we Indeed. thought that we would weigh in as well, <coughs> share some of our thoughts. Um, a couple of these are asked, or asked in the same spot, and a couple of these are nice and quick. Um, first question from PNP Gamer. Additional damage stunts for spells. Uh, if the spell is penetrating, should the extra damage be penetrating as well? That is a good question. I could see that being ruled either way. Mm-hmm. It's... Once you get into the higher levels, it's only, a, like, a, what, a d6 of damage? Yeah. Unless you, if you've got the spell expertise, it can be 2d6, but... Yeah, but I don't see why it not. I don't think it's game-breaking to make it penetrating if the spell is penetrating. Yeah. That's cool. I'd say, you know, GM, GM Fiat, mm-hmm. if you're in a game where everybody is super-powered up their primal spells to the point where they're already devastating and penetrating... I could see you wanting to maybe make that extra D6 not maybe. do that. But in normal cases, I don't see that there would be a problem with it. Mm-hmm. Against some enemies, <laughs> if that D6 isn't penetrating, it's going to be... Useless. Not very helpful. It's going to be straight up useless. Something, something's got decent AR, <coughs> or like a really good AR, even just like a like a 5 or a, or like a five or a 7. It's not going to be very useful at yeah. all. So I don't see any reason why not. Go for it. Yeah. Uh, are there automatic success failure rules in this system, i.e. all ones or all sixes? Uh, thankfully, no. Correct. At least as regards the failure rules. There's no such thing as like a natural one or a natural 20 being an auto hit or an auto miss. Yeah. It's just like we have actually come across some spells that our enemies have been casting that have very, very, very high spell power tests. Mm-hmm. And... My character is physically incapable of making them. Like, if she rolls all sixes, she will still fail the acrobatics test. Mm-hmm. So it, I don't even roll. I just take the damage. Gotcha. But, so it is, there are, there are points mm-hmm. where it doesn't really matter how well you do. 
There were some folks who brought that up <coughs> in the forums, and rightly so. And um, some folks pointed out that if you roll all ones and will still succeed on tests, then you're rolling just to see if you get stunts. Mm-hmm. And I actually, I do that for spellcasting. Mm-hmm. There are some spells I can't fail to cast, so. Yeah, because you've got, like, what, a, uh, essentially a nine magic right now? Yep. Because of That uh, staff is nice. That staff that she's got on her back is very nice. But, yeah, to, to answer the question, long and short, there are no automatic successes or failures mm-hmm. you might be able to incorporate them i mean i could see that being an interesting house rule mm. rolling three ones on one <laughs> rolling a one on three d6s or a six on three d6s that's it's 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 pretty rare yeah. it doesn't happen very often neither either of those i don't think it would be game breaking to have that as a house rule but sure. as it stands that could be fun could get like those uh get some like critical uh critical or uh Critical hit or critical fumble, like, mm. charts or, or uh, deck cards, uh, decks of cards and such. I just like the idea that if the peasant believes hard enough, he can punch the archdemon in the face. Heck yeah. Dream big, guys. Dream, Dream big. big. All right, what's our third question? The next one was uh, from PNP Gamer. Do dying characters who receive healing in time recover their hit points to heal the mount, or are they just stabilized? They uh, recover their hit points to heal the mount. Correct. Once they go to zero, they are at zero and dying. Mm-hmm. They go into the dying state. Not only it does both actually; it stabilizes them and it heals them the appropriate amount of hit points. Yes. So you stay at zero, and if you get six hit points back, you are now at six health. And of course, if you are the healer, you cannot do that to yourself. Naturally. Well, if you're if you're the one dying, you mm-hmm. pretty much can't do anything if about it. If you are dying, you don't do anything besides die. Yeah, Until it's, kind someone... of, it's kind of a full round action. <laughs> Until somebody asks you to stop. Please stop dying. Um, and finally, this is a good one, and I actually wrote a fairly long answer for this on the forums, but I thought it would be fun to reiterate. Um, how can I manage the contacts talent if a player wants to take it? I don't want the player who takes it no, to take it and find out that it's useless, so any help is appreciated. Some helping questions. What contacts should I give out to a player? What kind of favors does novice journeyman uh, level contact offer? Now this uh, this kind of reminds me of in systems like Dungeons and Dragons three five and Pathfinder, the idea of how do I make leadership work yes. and not be too powerful. I, I was just thinking that. <laughs> it's kind of like that. Wherein you have a feat that allows you to gain outside assistance mm-hmm. that can be either a waste of space or more commonly, maybe even a little too powerful for the setting. Mm-hmm. Um, you have a huge answer yeah, on this. That's true. I, I wrote a big answer on this on the forum, so we'll we'll truncate it. We don't have time yes, to read it. Yes, I was going to recommend uh, that. But Contacts is definitely a, a talent that GM should probably look at very closely. Uh, maybe write down how you want to deal with it individually, or just decide whether you want it to be available in your campaign at all. Because it does kind of, at the same time, it kind of has the chan- has the power to you know change the course of how a campaign unfolds and. Or it could just be not very helpful, depending mm-hmm. on how the players... It can be dependent on how the players utilize it and how you as a GM intend to make it used. Also, where do you think your story is going to go? If they're going to be out in the middle of the wilderness for the majority of the campaign, contacts may not be quite as useful as if they were, say, mm-hmm. kicking around uh, Val Royale for the entire for the entire adventure. Yes. It's there are certain situations wherein they're going to... Have get more use out of that talent set and somewhere mm-hmm. it would just not be. Yeah, so just measure that particularly. So the contacts talent is uh, a talent that lets you <laughs> make a contact in a settlement and 
So now you know somebody there. Uh, the novice degree is kind of the novice degree is kind of vague about what it exactly it does, but it sounds like you can like you can talk to them, get some minor favor favors, uh, maybe uh, get a free night at an inn, get some food when you guys yeah. don't have any left, uh, maybe get some in, just get a little info on where to go next. Nothing really big, but should generally be helpful. Should yeah. make them feel like it's okay. It's good that they took the talent. Mm, stuff that they would not otherwise gain access to. Mm-hmm. And then um, if you get them to journeyman, uh, if you take the journeyman degree of the talent, then you can um, make tests to convince your allies to do more dangerous things, like uh, or dangerous or more risky or maybe risky or just maybe more valuable things, like uh, getting a discount on some magic items, uh, fencing goods at better prices, or hiring an NPC as a guide to volume you into dangerous territory. Um, things like that. And then a master degree um, requires that uh, you perform a significant favor for one of your NPC contacts. And if you do, they'll be willing to do big stuff for you, like get you an audience with the king. Or maybe they'll even go on an adventure for you for a little while. Or they'll lend you their own gear. Or um, you can get really good info on your foes or even get, like, keys to the dungeon or something. Mm-hmm. So contacts, contacts is really cool, but it does... It is going to be one of those talents, kind of like poison making, uh, that requires a little bit of extra legwork from the GM, but it can it can make me really cool, because it means that the GM gets to write a bunch of NPCs mm-hmm. uh, and uh, include all these extra characters in the campaign. So it is definitely something worth, um, you know, considering. Looking yeah. at it very closely and deciding for yourself as a GM, do you want this in your campaign? Because especially if the player wants to take it, it could mean a lot. Mm-hmm. I would recommend deciding at the start of a game whether or not you want to add contacts. Definitely. Because these things can all, if you decide more for a, uh, the interactions to be a bit more storytelling based, like they sort of fall away, uh, they, they, they impact the story in a different way. Like, for example, what we've done, you can integrate sort of a relationship system that sort of comes automatically because even without the contacts talent, people are going to make friends and allies and romantic opportunities that are willing to do things for them so yes it's really however you want to go about it it's true all right and i think that so. was our last question thank you pnp gamer thank uh, you very much yes lovely little bouquet of questions <laughs> bouquet of questions i like it uh if you have a question about the dragon age rpg any question of any kind you can send it in a message to one is a thetis podcast at gmail.com you can send it to us through our facebook twitter tumblr google plus or soundcloud accounts or you can send a personal message to caught the protector or healer puff mm-hmm. on the green running forums that's me and that's me yeah uh if you send one to me i will try to remember to check it i have checked it one time now <laughs> i keep forgetting it. that's there. fair i'm sorry there's a lot of cool but... stuff to talk about on the forum sometimes that is true. As soon as I get a free moment in my life, I will That's, that try, is absolutely fair. try and check that out. Toddlers have a fun way of taking away that time. Yeah, well, it is a fun way. They're, they're a lot well, of good. fun. Excellent. So, uh, unfortunately, this time we do not have anything to add to the Distant Verses. Uh, we haven't written anything, and um, we haven't when uh, It just, just happens that nobody happened to write anything that... Uh, or uh, we couldn't get permission for it in time, so we didn't want to, you know, put it on without folks' permission. Of course. So, I'm sure you'll see more here. Oh, certainly. There's plenty more to see. And Dragon Age is a, a game that is very easy to build for. So, if you'd like to let us know about some custom Dragon Age RPG content or send us your own, 
Uh, send a message to one is the thirties podcast at gmail.com. You can send it through us through our Facebook, Twitter, Tumblr, Google Plus, or SoundCloud accounts, or send a personal message to Cut the Protector or He would have on the Green Running Forums. That's us. Like, we we needed to say that one again. Right it's away. yep. Okay. That's how it goes. That's how it goes, guys. That's how we roll there on one is. is the latest. Boom. So we gotta get into this next part. Yes, I am very excited. Yes. Gotta Let's get talk into <coughs> about our main topic. <laughs> main topic. We'll talk about our main characters. Uh, we'll talk about the Grey Wardens. This is our main topic for today. Is it fate or chance? I can never decide. Welcome to the main topic. We are talking Grey Wardens today. We got a lot of things to say about the Grey Wardens. I mean, how could you not? Right. They are one of the single most iconic aspects of the Dragon Age setting. Yeah. The Grey Warden full plate with the griffin on their breastplate standing, uh, standing, yeah, standing on top of the broken bloody bodies of, of Darkspawn. It's on the cover of the first game and its expansion pack. It's super vital. Yeah. So... Uh, they are see the Grey Wardens are an organization that is very heavily featured in Dragon Age Origins because you're one of them uh, in the game, and they have made appearances in every game so far. Uh, they are an order and people from across Thetis who have pledged the rest of their lives to fight the Darkspawn and the Blights. They give up their former lives in order to battle an evil that likely can never be truly scrubbed from Thetis. So far, they have saved the world from the Blight five times, slaying the Archdemon, uh, leading countless Darkspawn armies in a tide of sickening evil across the surface. Mm-hmm. I really, from a literary standpoint, I really like the Grey Wardens because they're a <coughs> they're a really solid example of what good can look like, mm-hmm. or what a strong force for good can look like in a dark fantasy. It's true. They know that they are not going to be able to completely turn the tide. Mm-hmm. At least not within their lifetimes. Most, each individual mm-hmm. one. They're not going to be able to rid the world of this corruption in reality. And even put keeping it at bay is going to cost one of them at the very least their life. Mm-hmm. And even so. And even so, they continue to do what it is they need to do. Sacrificing themselves so that they can not defeat evil, but simply stall it and push it back. And the just the way that that is presented in the Grey Wardens, I think, is very sort of satisfying from a literary standpoint. Yeah, they're cool. Uh, their duty is quite grim, but it is a noble one uh, in a dark fantasy setting. And of course, because we are in Dragon Age, they have, the Grey Wardens have their own dark secrets. Uh, but none can doubt that they have saved the world many times. They can save the world if pressed. Just one of them. Just ask Blackwall. So, um, just to let you know a little bit more about the Grey Wardens, we're going to do a quick brief history. Uh, in my, in 395 Ancient, I'm never sure how to say that, when they put a little minus in the front of it. It would be minus, probably, or I, negative. Gotcha. Because it's like before the first age. <coughs> um, minus 30, 395 Ancient, which is 12 centuries before the Dragon Age, before the present day, the first blight began. Some claimed it was because the Tevinder Magisters attempted to usurp the throne of the Maker by being cast down by the, as the first Darkspawn. The dwarves only knew, uh, only knew that the Darkspawn came from beneath the earth and certainly not from the sky. Regardless of where they came from, no one was prepared. I mean, would you be? No. Surprise. <laughs> horrible slavering monsters to just start bursting out of the ground and 
hacking at you with uh, with hacking at you with rusty swords. Not really. The wars of the first blight were ruthless and brutal. The tides of the dwarven kingdoms fell by one, and oh, when no. the darkspawn spilled out of the surface, chaos ensued. Uh, entire generations were born and buried within this war. Ninety-five years into the first blight, in minus three out of five ancient, a group of veteran darkspawn slayers from all nations and peoples came together and sought a way to destroy the darkspawn. Desperate times called for desperate measures, and these warriors drank the blood of their darkspawn foes. This gave them power, which they mounted mighty, which they with which they mounted mighty griffins and appeared on the heel of Hosberg to deliver a devastating blow to the darkspawn, cutting them down by the dozens and finally driving them back. The people of Thetis had their first real glimpse of hope at the Battle of Hosberg. At minus two hundred three, ancient, nearly one hundred more years of fighting, the Grey Wardens finally amassed an army and slew the archdemon Dumat, ending the first blight at the Battle of the Silent Plains. Since then, the Wardens have been instrumental in ending the four Blights that have followed. In Dragon Age Origins, you play the Warden, who helps end the fifth Blight, slaying the Archdemon Urthemiel. So, they're important. Extremely. The Grey Wardens, uh, Grey Wardens are integral to the Dragon Age campaign setting, and um, you and uh, and you would be, it'd be uh, <coughs> a little weird to go through an entire campaign without them ever being mentioned at least once, or maybe even just mm-hmm. seeing one. It would be odd. Mm-hmm. Of course, I suppose it's not that strange because they're not that numerous mm-hmm. for many reasons. Well, it depends on what era you're playing in. It's true. It's true. But if you're playing in the Dragon Age, there are probably not nearly as many mm-hmm. Wardens, especially if you're playing after Origins is set. Right. <coughs> uh, at least in Awakening, they start building some numbers. Mm-hmm. They start to rebuild in Ferelden. Recruitment. Mm-hmm. So how can being a Grey Warden affect your PC? Many ways. Uh, it changes your character forever because you could definitely die. Yeah, I mean, you could, for starters, you could just die before you mm-hmm. become one. Because if you've played Origins at all, you know that that joining ritual is not exactly a tea party. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you turn to Chapter 11, page 259 of the Core Rulebook, there is a sidebar for GMs, GM eyes only, for how to conduct the joining ritual. Uh, and we, of course... The joining ritual is the ritual that wardens undergo to physically change into a into an actual gray warden. Mm-hmm. Um, it is, of course, one of the uh, the order's best kept secrets because if a word got out that, that wardens were, you know, drinking blood, the people would start asking if that's blood magic, and they would probably be getting far fewer recruits. So the joining ritual is a secret. Um, but there's also, um, it's, uh, it was worth noting that about the joining ritual is that uh, the joining ritual is, especially in the case of a lot of NPCs, it is, especially in the video games, it is quite lethal. Um, it has just as much potential to kill your character outright as make them a Grey Warden. Mm-hmm. Um, so the sidebar on page 259 of the core book does have a couple of different ways that you can run the joining. Um there's a hardcore one in there. There is a hardcore one. Make it one. die roll and I mean, hope for the best. Yep, yeah, make it die roll, don't add anything. If you roll this, you die. But they have a couple of methods for um, how you can how you can survive the joining, and they have a method that's a bit more heroic to guarantee that maybe some more PCs are gonna live and maybe only a couple of them will die. Yeah. But, you can always, of course, just mm-hmm. say that they're all the ones that made it through and everybody else keeled yeah. over and died. Some players might be might feel kind of like 
bleh about that. But yeah. you know what? You guys need to keep playing the game. If characters just die straight out, that's not very fun. I mean, maybe don't, you know, get them to level 15 mm. and then decide they need to all take the joining. <laughs> right. Because <laughs> that, that, could, that could get rough. That can get a little annoying. <laughs> so, um, if you, GMs, if you intend to make the joining dangerous for your players, make sure that they know really early. Mm-hmm. Like, maybe even at the beginning of the campaign, if you plan to have them join. I would not do it any later than the beginning of the campaign. Yes, because players are going to have to know how invested they want to be in these characters they're making. Yeah, don't let them fall in love with their characters before you get them the joining, unless they know that it's going to be a late entry. In Correct. Then it's on them. They knew. Mm-hmm. But you get some nice stuff for surviving the joining, if I recall correctly. You do, correctly. yeah. You do change a bit physically upon becoming an actual Grey Warden. Um, in game terms, you increase one of your abilities by one. You gain a degree and a talent. You gain resistance to the dark spawn taint. Uh, you gain, which you can read a little bit more about in the book. Mm-hmm. Um, you gain the Rite of Conscription, which is an ancient rite that was gifted to the Wardens after the end of the First Blight as a thanks for their service. You can essentially declare that you want someone for your order, <coughs> invoke the right, and they are now a member of the Wardens under your care. No questions asked. Yep. Uh, this is used very carefully, as it can create political complications for the Wardens if misused I mean, or used too much. If you really, really super wanted to, for some reason, you could go to the White Divine and be like, right of conscription... But You're a great <laughs> warden now, you, but that could end really badly for you and for the wardens. <laughs> but you could do it. I mean, you could, yeah. I'm just saying. It's <laughs> just a great a great view of like the other player characters like trying to hold them down and, no, no, I want to do it. It's going to be great. Watch this. <laughs> I just gave somebody a terrible idea. Oh, no. <laughs> I'm sure. Uh, we apologize if any of your campaigns just derailed hilariously. <laughs> Yep. Um, maybe make sure that your players know that upon read upon that um, that not everything in this podcast is worth taking completely seriously. Yeah, and that you are still the GM here. Although I'm saying, I feel like a mage or an elf, <laughs> and maybe really, really want to be thrown this whole chantry thing. <laughs> Let's see how you like. There's <laughs> one way to do it. <laughs> Just conscript all of them. <laughs> <laughs> you get to be a warden, and you get to be a warden. Everybody gets to be a warden. <coughs> Seriously, drink this blood. Drink this blood now. Um, speaking of drinking that blood, you are going to be expected to be able to learn that joining ritual, and will be expected to perform it for other wardens, um, for other warden recruits. Um, you also gain the curious ability to sense darkspawn that are with glitter nearby you, uh, within a distance of five times your character level in yards. Um, that it is, it is automatic. If a darkspawn comes within that radius, you know that there's a darkspawn there. You can then make perception detect darkspawn tests, of which you are the only, you as a Grey Warden, you are the only ones who can take that focus. And depending on the high roll you roll in the dragon die, you could determine how many there are or what kinds are nearby you, which can be very useful. Can save lives, actually. So definitely a, uh, definitely a focus worth considering if you're going to become a Grey Warden. It's it's a focus you want. Yeah. If you're a great warden, that's one of the big reasons to be one is that uh, well, presumably you're going to have some dark spawn in your campaign, mm-hmm. and you will want to know where they are. Yep. Because <coughs> they're going to know where you are too. It's true. That 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 uh, sensing it kind of goes two ways. Um. So in role playing terms, your character gains some respect and some enmity at the same time. 
Uh, most common folk of Thetis have great reverence for the Grey Wardens. They have grown up on stories of them riding griffins into battle, slaying mm. the five arch, slaying the archdemons, and saving the world. Most people are probably going to end up wishing to defer to your judgment or ask for your advice. Um, however, people in great positions of power often see the wardens as a threat, especially with a thing like that, right? Like the right of conscription. Mm-hmm. If they want you for the, if the wardens want you for the uh, for the to fight the blights, then you're recruited. End of story. Which carries with it a lot of power and a lot of ways to screw a lot of their plans up. So you're going to have to, <laughs> as we were saying, you're going to uh, need to... I really, I really want to do it. <laughs> and tread really carefully around them. Or just, you know, barge through and... Mm-hmm. Uh, just be careful with it or you may create some <coughs> very powerful enemies like the Seekers of Truth. It's true. Um, let's see. Also, in terms of role-playing, you are now part of a world-spanning organization with many concerns in many places, even if uh, even if there are barely a thousand of you in total. Uh, this will means that you have obligations to that organization. You are a member of an order. You have given yourself over to that order. You, are, you have left behind your old life to fight the, fight the Darkspawn. Uh, and there are plenty of people who know how to fight the Darkspawn a little better than you, so you're probably going to be taking orders from somebody. Uh, most most likely. likely, yes. Uh, most likely, a uh, regional commander of the Gray, also known as a warden commander, they might have missions for you that you are going to take along with your uh, with your fellow PCs. Yeah, GMs, this is a pretty good plot hook to start mm-hmm. moving people into adventures. Yes. Uh, determine who your warden commander is. They could be, a, they, especially if you have, you have uh, Gray Warden PCs. They're going to be a very prominent NPC in your campaign. Hmm. So, you're going to have some obligations to that Warden Commander. You're going to need to take their missions and file reports when you're done. You are going to be expected to look out for the Warden's interest and make a good impression on their behalf. Uh, make sure that this kind of responsibility is not going to take away from the campaign or bog things down. Uh, the easiest workaround of that, of course, is having all the PCs be Grey Wardens. So that is only one way to handle it. Uh, you could get real complicated and create little spider webs of intrigue if maybe all the other players are from different organizations with their own interests. And maybe yeah. some aren't very open about what organization they're part of. Yeah. That could get nasty, though. Make sure you talk to all of your players ahead of time. Yes, please do. If all the PCs just want to be different members of different organizations just to be antagonistic, that's probably not going to end very well. Mm-hmm. You know, I think because of Origins... A lot of people forget that when you play a Grey Warden, you're going to be in a hierarchy. It's true. And you're going to be under someone's command. Like, mm-hmm. that's something that I hadn't even really thought about. But the uh, Origins is the exception to the rule. It's true. You were going to be taking <laughs> orders from somebody. You were. That was going to happen. But then you essentially became well, the highest ranking Warden in Ferelden, along with Alistair. Yeah. All of a sudden, whoops. All of a sudden, it's just you guys. But um, I can see that being something that people would forget is that they are mm. part of in almost every age they are part of a well-structured organization even if yes. it's not necessarily one that has a whole lot of members it's true every region uh, just about every country maybe a couple per country there's going to be some warden commanders who are going to be giving out some orders and you're going to have to report to them mm-hmm. uh, so, and of course not everybody's perfect and certainly the wardens aren't so you may be asked to occasionally handle situations that are not necessarily very dark spawn heavy as the wardens do have many concerns but choosing whether or not you take on a mission that falls outside your normal duties could make for some excellent drama if your warden commander is perhaps a little corrupt or power grabby like Sophia Dryden was 
which is why the Wardens were exiled from Ferelden for quite a while. What's that from? Um, that's actually from the DLC uh, Soldier's Peak from Origins. Spoilers. Hmm. <laughs> it's fun. You should check it out. Well, you now you it. shouldn't. Hmm. But it, it, it's still cool. Way to ruin it. It's 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 it's, uh, it's like it's almost it's like nine eight year old DLC by this point. Yeah, it's true. It's cool. Go check it out. Uh, anyway, continuing with the role playing effects, the taint does have some side effects that uh, you guys should feel free to role play up um, and take into consideration, especially if memory many of you are members of the Grey Wardens. Um, if the blight is on, you may be able to hear the archdemon in your dreams. And by may we mean. Probably. Probably will. Your dreams may take on darker themes involving the taint and the darkspawn themselves, as because you have drank their blood, you are kind of part of the darkspawn hive mind. Mm-hmm. So you can kind of hear what they're up to and kind of uh, get some of the uh, song that some people hear. Mm-hmm. Um, Alistair... Uh, Humorously, let us know that uh, your appetite increases for a time after you uh, just after you join the Grey Wardens. He has mm-hmm. an uh, amusing little anecdote about being covered with gravy. Hmm. Um, it becomes very difficult for you to have children, uh, especially with other wardens. Yep, that's an important thing. Depending on who you play in Origins, that can be something that does in fact come up. It's true. Especially if two wardens try to have a kid, it is very difficult for them. It's very, very hard. Uh, And of course, perhaps the most uh, noticeable side effect of the taint is that your lifespan got a lot shorter. Um, Exactly how much time you have left uh, as the taint, you know, starts to uh, take over your body can vary wildly between individuals, uh, but is uh, generally somewhere between in 10 and 30 years before you begin to hear what is known as the calling. The calling is described as a song, supposedly the same song that lures the darkspawn deeper into the earth to find the old gods. When the calling becomes more than the warden can bear, they usually undergo a ritual. Uh, They usually tell folks that they hear their calling, and that they need to go to their calling. They take what little equipment they need to fight, and they leave valuables behind with others who are going to need it, others in the member, uh, or the wardens who are going to need it. Some, depending on the wardens, for some people, they'll, you know, have a big feast, they'll have a big party filled with laughing and drinks and friends for one last hurrah before they go, before they go, and others will quietly retire without saying a word. Wardens will then venture into the deep roads, past the dwarven tigs, sometimes with additional celebration from the dwarves as they know mm-hmm. what you are about to do, because uh, when, you, when all the celebration is said and done... And you head into the deep roads. You are going to head. You head to the bowels of the earth, where you will kill as many darkspawn as you can before you are overwhelmed. Mm-hmm. It is a noble end, one that is immensely respected by the dwarves. It's a, it's a heck of a way to go, but mm-hmm. it's a definitely thematically a fitting end for one oh, yeah. for one who has taken that sort of mm-hmm. for a heroic order of, of yeah. Uh, yeah a heroic order in a dark fantasy setting. <coughs> this is a. This is pretty fitting. Yep. So. So, um, talking on a bigger scale about the Grey Wardens, uh, what are Grey Wardens going to do for your campaign? There are a couple questions that you should ask about your campaign uh, if you're going to include the Wardens in it. Uh, One of the bigger ones being, who in the party is a Warden? 
this is probably going to end up changing dynamics and um, changing uh, screen time and changing representation and the kinds of stories that you tell because um, there's a couple of ways it can go. Uh, if everybody is a warden, then the warden will be quite instrumental to your campaign, and this is probably going to be much easier. Reporting to a warden commander is going to be a common occurrence. The games are going to revolve around the wardens and warden activity. Everybody's a warden, so they can all talk about their mm-hmm. shared experiences as part of the wardens. Probably a blight in there somewhere. Probably. Not necessarily, but, Not necessarily. but likely. Mm-hmm. If you're going to have a game about a blight, having a bunch of wardens is a good way to go. Mm-hmm. Um, and, of course, the other way that you can have the party handled is that some people are wardens and some aren't. Um, which does mean that the GM is going to have to do some balancing uh, to make sure that the non-wardens don't feel left out. Mm-hmm. It's kind of uh, like a, a somewhat unique problem. Uh, <laughs> in some games, kind of like uh, Star Wars Saga Edition had, where you know there's classes like Soldier, Scoundrel, uh, Scout... Um, War, a soldier and Jedi. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think Soldier got in there twice. I think Soldier got in there twice because I like soldiers. I forgot to put in Noble. That was the one that I was saying. Um, but then there's, of course, there's the Jedi class. Um, so you've got people who got guns and they've got uh, they've got tech and they've got fancy words. Or you've got this guy mm-hmm. over here who's got a lightsaber and force powers. Yeah. If you're not all special snowflake chosen ones, make sure the ones that are not special snowflakes are still getting their what they want and what yes. they deserve out of the campaign. If some folks aren't Grey Wardens, some of them might start to feel a little left out if a lot of the campaign is based around, you know, the Wardening. Blight, Darkspawn, Wardening. So make sure that they feel special too. Mm-hmm. There's, good, they, there's plenty of cool stuff you can do when you're not a Warden. Oh, um, yeah. Yeah. None of, <laughs> none of uh, the current campaign characters for mm-hmm. us are Wardens, and we're doing yes. some pretty fancy stuff. It's true. So... Don't worry about it. Mm-hmm. Um, they could have the other PCs can have their own organizations to represent, or they can be free agents who are being maybe employed by the Grey Wardens for a time. Um, so just make sure that everybody's getting a little bit of spotlight and not just you know them wardens. Um, another question worth asking about your campaign is when are the PCs going to join the wardens? The base set and the core rulebook, uh, the base set boxes back when Dragon Age came in boxes. Uh, and the core book recommend that the PCs don't become full wardens, uh, like taking the joining until level five or later, uh, because that means that they can get some ventures under their belt and maybe do something that catches the notice of the of the gray wardens that makes them want to recruit them. Mm-hmm. Um, they usually the wardens usually don't like to recruit people who haven't proven themselves. They're they're looking for the brightest, they're looking for the strongest, they're looking for the smartest, they're looking for the fastest, and looking for the people who really want to do this. So, they're going to look for people who are exemplary. Um, Unless there's a blight on, in which case they're going to be looking for warm bodies. Yes. That is correct. <laughs> Say long and, long and short of it. Yeah, so maybe you guys are joining the Wardens at level one. Um, although you'll probably start, maybe start the campaign as Warden Recruits. You've just been mm-hmm. picked up by, you've just been picked up by Duncan. <laughs> you guys got to go places. Um, so having all the PCs start as Grey Wardens, uh, and then building up to the joining after some tests or some adventures, or maybe, mm. maybe here's just not a good place to do the joining. We got to go over, we got to go find, find another place, or maybe we don't have the necessary materials. We got to go collect them. Again, if you're going to make your joining a, uh, chance survival hardcore, <laughs> see if you make it through this event, mm-hmm. Make sure your players know ahead of time. Yes, especially if you join the... It's like, hey guys, let's play Dragon Age. Whoops, you died. Well, especially if, as could be suggested, you have your PCs joining at later levels, like 10 or even 15. Yes, when they've 
sort of had a lot of time time. to prove themselves. Mm -hmm. The issue with that is going to be if you've got a really hardcore joining, all of their abilities and all of the things that they've worked up to are now down to one lucky die roll. Yeah. And that that can really suck. Yeah. That can just be awful. Yeah. Be certain that your PCs know ahead of time. Yes. That if you're going to do that, make that something that's very well known. Make sure they've got secondary characters rolled up. Just just keep your keep your players in mind cuz that could get yes. that could get rough. Please do. It could um, also be really, really intense, though. It, it, it really could be. Like, super exciting. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> it is worth asking how significant the Grey Wardens as an organization are going to be to your campaign. Because um, even if all the players are wardens, maybe the campaign doesn't necessarily revolve around warden activity so much. If the PCs aren't wardens, uh, and the wardens are involved in the campaign, uh, how involved are they going to be? Are the there just going to be some friendly NPCs that the piece the, play, the players work with occasionally? Uh, is it going to be like um, maybe they uh, go to the Grey Wardens for help because uh, Blight is coming and they need to start and they need to start getting some help? Um, are the PCs going to join? Let's see, are the PCs going to join them later? Um, are the PCs already wardens and starting to have some th- second thoughts about joining? And decide to you leave. really don't get to do that. You don't really get to actually leave the wardens, but that could be a really interesting campaign. Yeah. Folks There's who are on the lam from the wardens. People who didn't take the joining and. Mm-hmm. Ooh, yeah. People who uh, maybe learned what the joining is and managed to escape. Yeah, that would be rough. And then you'd have the wardens as enemies. Mm-hmm. And that's that's rough. That's pretty spoop. Yeah. Uh, if all the PCs are wardens uh, and they're have to, they'll have to, and they're going to be reporting to the superiors, is that going to be happening a lot? Is that going to be happening like after every adventure? Is that going to be happening at the end of every session? Um, is it going to be happening like maybe once or twice in the whole campaign? Just keep it in mind. Yeah, something worth keeping in mind. Um, these these questions and uh, say and I'm and I'm sure that you guys are going to have plenty of other questions. And if you do, feel free to send them in. But the wardens, the gray wardens, as an organization, have a potential to change a campaign drastically. So make sure you use them wisely, as per your campaign. If the if you if the like our campaign centers around elves and um, racial relations between elves and the other nations and building the own nations, so we've met some gray wardens. Mm-hmm. But Bit of gr- kingmaker going on. Yeah, yeah, we've met gray wardens. Um, we had a character that was a gray warden for a little while. We did, but now we're focusing on. <laughs> Building the Elven Nation of Brasilia. So, <laughs> yeah. Grey Wardens are there. They're just not central to the campaign. Mm-hmm. Just so, look at what works for you. Yeah, and, uh, absolutely. It's always good to give them a little nod, but as meant, you can have as much or as little of those griffin-riding heroes as you like. <sighs> you know, if you do it before the fourth blight, there are still griffins. Just there, so you know. there are rumors. There are, uh, you know, it's true. That there are still griffins. It's true. That I would play that campaign so hard, <laughs> the campaign to find the Griffins. We've got and bring them I've, back. I've heard we got to get the book Last Flight and read that one. I've heard you got to run me a campaign where I get to get Griffins back. <laughs> yeah. That's what I heard. Well, you know the Fantasy Age Bestiary has Griffin stat blocks in it. So well, see, then you're ready to go. Now we're ready to go already. Um, so you've got the most iconic organization in Dragon Age to play with. To do it, have some fun with it. It's cool. Grey wardens are Grey wardens are pretty sweet. Um, 
then uh, there's let's see the Grey Warden characters. The Grey Wardens injecting them into the campaign, especially if you look at like what happens in Inquisition, can add a lot of drama, and it can get really cool. And Grey Wardens are usually on like the state, like on the saving the world kind of stage, so it ups the ante, so to speak. So Grey Wardens are cool, and we should probably stein out before we keep babbling. Yeah, that's generally we know it's time to go when we. Have begun to babble. <laughs> Begin to repeat ourselves a bit. But thank you so much for joining us, everybody. Uh, uh, thank you for coming to The Wonders of Fetus. If you've got questions, if you've got custom content, if you've got suggestions for main topics, send them to us. I've, send, send, send. I've already I've, I've listed the places where you can send them a couple times. You can go back a bit. Um, <laughs> I'm always happy to repeat them. I, I think we're good. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, then I guess we should sign off. Uh, before we dig our hole any deeper. This is Ren, wishing lots of sixes on that dragon die. And this is Jessica, wishing you good heels and happy feels. Thank you all so much for joining us, and we'll join us, we'll talk to you guys next time. Bye-bye. Bye, guys. Bye.